Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church podcast. When you think of outsiders, you think of people who just don't seem to fit. Or you think of outcasts and rebels, the people on the outside looking in. But what did Jesus think about outsiders? This week, we begin a new series we are calling The Outsiders. Let's listen in. Preachers and speakers do is try to get people to laugh at the beginning. And the reason is when you laugh, defenses kind of come down. Um, and we can talk, you know, about other stuff. So I'm going to try to make you laugh. We'll see if it works or not. So, uh, one of the things that I really noticed moving from the South and Texas in particular, I was born and raised in Texas. I lived in Fort Worth for most of my life, went to one school my entire life, which was really weird looking back. My daughter's been in like three different schools and she's in second grade. So it's, I feel blessed to have been in one school system, but that was my life. So looking back in Texas, you'll see on the screen, if it's 40 degrees as a high, we consider that cold, all right? That is chilly. If you look on the the image on the left, it's not exactly clear, obviously, but those temperatures are in the 40s, and that was like an Arctic cold front hit Texas, all right? It's cold. And then, of course, if we look at Minnesota, we know there's a stark difference. The other day, uh, it was 28 outside, and the sun was shining, and I was like, wow, it's really warm out here. So, you know, you learn that there's a difference. All right, so the next one, if you're squeamish, you might want to look away. Um, but we're going to talk about black-colored animals, okay? So in Texas, we have our friendly... Oh, that image didn't work at all. The friendly black widow spider. All right, when we lived in El Paso, we actually had them inside of our house. There was one that lived next to my dryer, uh, and it took me a while. I finally sucked him up in the vacuum. Hopefully he died. Um, Like, you know, you'd go out after the winter and open up the grill, and there would be like five in the grill. So that was a problem. Fortunately, the black-colored animal that I love the most in Minnesota is the black-colored squirrel. Um, I've never seen one before in my entire life until I moved here, and it has been the greatest thing ever because I think squirrels are amazing. They're like crazy little smart creatures, and then to see one that's just like beautiful is it's great. I love it. And then uh, the next one we'll look at is the uh, the difference in swimming animals. Um, so I don't know. Man, those images did not work at all. Do you, the nutria that you see like in the ponds, okay, I understand they're not the greatest, but they're better than the water moccasin, all right? So we were on, I was in fourth grade. We went out behind the school on like a little nature hike, and look, there's a snake swimming in the water. It's like, oh, kids, let's go this way because that snake could have killed us. So the difference is one swimming animal is death, And one swimming animal is just a little obnoxious. So to me, Minnesota wins. So the next one, this though, this is where Texas wins, hands down. Not quite, unfortunately. So my friend called me the other day, and he's like, hey, we're having a bonfire. You want to come over? I was like, yes. Watch these images not work. Oh, they did, yes. And then this is what they had. That's a campfire. All right? 
That is a bonfire, all right? The fire has to be like more than 10 feet high to be, a, if the fire is not taller than me, it's not a bonfire. So as much as I love campfires, if we could stop calling them bonfires, I'd really appreciate it. Um, if you don't have like five pallets stacked up with gas on them, it's a campfire. And then finally, this one was hard for me to find a picture that I actually wanted. And then, of course, the one I wanted didn't work. But the storms are completely different in Minnesota and Texas. In, in Minnesota, you have a storm. You assume that it's a snowstorm. Is that true? All right. In Texas, if you have a storm, you, like, find the nearest tornado shelter. Because chances are, if there's a tornado watch, like, you know what's going down. And you know, like, it's time to get to safety. So why do I say all that? I notice these differences because I am still an outsider. I haven't lived here a year yet. And there's times where I'm still isolated. I'm still on the outside. And so those differences are very acute to me. Like, I see them and I know, like, that is not what we normally do. And we, I mean Texans. Um, so, and I don't know many people. Um, I'm very introverted. People don't believe that. If I'm the center of attention, I'm, I'm done. I'm great. But put me in a group, and I start to feel uncomfortable. And then I try to be the center of attention, and sometimes that comes out obnoxious. So it's my comfort zone, so that's what I do. But being an outsider isn't easy. Sometimes there's that, that awkwardness that comes with being an outsider. So the question is maybe you felt like an outsider too. Maybe you've been an outsider at work get a new job, you're the new guy, and there's water cooler talk going on or something along those lines, and you're not privy to the inside jokes. You don't know what's going on, and so at work, you're an outsider. Um, school, if you've ever gone to a new school, you can be an outsider really quick because, again, the group has their, their ways, their jokes, but you don't understand what's going on there. And then this one's going to be hard some, for some people, but maybe even at church you felt like an outsider. You felt like the group has its thing, and I'm not part of the group yet. And we're going to talk about all those today. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about outsiders in general, uh, outsiders in the Bible, and what they tell us about us today. So we'll start out with one wee little man. I'm going to have to look back because I don't know where the slides are. So here we go. We're going to read Luke 19 and verses 1 through 10 out of the New Living Translation. And so Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus. I'm going to say Zacchaeus, so I apologize if that offends you. But He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus— but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Maybe we can go to the next one. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come quick, come down. I must, I must be a guest in your home today. So he quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. 
He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So the first thing we're going to look at today is the outsider. We're going to look at three groups of people. Start with the outsider. And the outsider is Zacchaeus in this situation. Um, usually as an outsider, there can be pain, there can be frustration, especially if you're really trying to get on the inside and people just keep shutting you out. It can be very frustrating. It can be hard. But sometimes just the uncomfortability that's not a word, but I'm making it up. Of being on the outside and, and not knowing what's going on is very frustrating. So I've been racking my brain over the past little bit to kind of, one of the things that I really try to do is illustrate what's going on. And so I'm like, man, when is the time that I really felt like an outsider? Again, going to one school my whole life, like that wasn't a problem. And then jobs that I've gotten, I didn't really feel that there, but then I remember there was one time where I was most definitely the outsider, and that was when I deployed to Qatar with my army unit. Now, one of the things that the army does is before you leave to go to the no another country, you go to the field for like six months. It's not continuous. There are breaks in there, but you go and learn and do your job in a safe location. That way, when you get somewhere that might not be as safe, it's so drilled into your head that you're not worried about it. You know that my job is my job, and I'm going to do it. It's just that brainwashing component. But the other thing it does is it instills trust in the people around you. So that group became so cohesive in those six months in the field, I would hear stories all the time about that. The problem was, I came a month after they were already where they were. I was the outsider. I came in, my flight from, I just, well, let me go back. I went to basic training, I went to my advanced training, got to the place where I was going, and in 10 days, I was gone to Qatar. So it was really rough. Like, that was hard. So I remember, like, being in the DFW airport and just breaking down and crying because I found uh, a bib, my, one of my daughter's bibs that somehow snuck in my bags. Like, that was that's the intensity of the emotion because I thought I was going to get to see and be with my family for a little while. Turns out that was probably the best thing for us, but at the time it was really hard. And so... You get over there, and the flight is no fun. It's a long flight. You know how long flights are. So, like, add another 10 hours to Paris, and that's kind of what we were looking at there. Um, and so then it's a little C-130 from Kuwait to Qatar, and I get to Qatar at, like, 1.30 in the morning, about five days later because of trouble. And so my internal clock is all messed up. I don't know anybody. They all know each other. And it can be really frustrating. 
can be really hard. So let's look at the next group. It's a smaller group. But it's the includer. It's Jesus. See, when Zacchaeus got up in the tree, he said, I want to see Jesus, but I can't. I'm too short. I'm going to climb this tree. His goal was to see Jesus, but Jesus had a different idea. He didn't just want to see Zacchaeus. He wanted to include him. He wanted to go to his house. The verse says, I think I have it up there. Yeah, I must be a guest in your house today. And that's not just this translation. That's the actual word. It is I must. I have a desire. I need. I'm going to your house today. I have to. So Jesus didn't just say, hi, how you doing? And walk on. He looked at the excluded. He knew what was going on. He's Jesus. And he said, you, I have to go to your house today. And we don't just see this once or twice in Jesus' ministry. We see it over and over and over with Nicodemus, the Pharisee that wants to learn more. Nicodemus is worried because he wants to know more about what this rabbi is teaching. He goes to him at night. And then John 3, and John 3, 16 is part of that whole discourse between him and Nicodemus. And he asks Jesus questions. And it changes Nicodemus' life to the point that John records when they're taking the bo- Jesus' body off the cross and putting him in the tomb, Nicodemus is one helping. So even though he was a Pharisee and constantly preached against by Jesus, he helps bury the body of Jesus. And then we also see in John chapter 4, the next chapter, we see the woman at the well. And Jesus goes at midday, the hottest part of the day, to meet the lady at the well. And we learn that she is very excluded. Just being at the well at noon was, you know, that's, that'll tell us something. But then as we hear her story, we hear that she is very excluded. And then Jesus uses her to change everyone in that area. He constantly reaches out to the excluded and draws them in. Oh, let me go back. Because I want to tell the second, I'm going with the story and I forget that the story is there. So I, I remember going to Qatar. Again, I'm an outsider. And I get there and I meet the people who have the same job as me. And they are very inclusive. And so I get to talk to them and they help me integrate into the family, as it were. And I'm still friends with some of them today. Some of them are crazy, but still their friend, I guess. And then and that grows. And I meet other people in other parts of the 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 platoon and then in the battery and then in the battalion as I go out and I start to make friends I start to be included but it takes those first two people to really grasp on and say hey we're going to take you and we're going to let you meet everybody and then it also takes you know sometimes the leader leaders are really good about that and so I had a really good first sergeant who really just wanted everybody to be part of the family and he did a great job doing that we had people come in and out a lot and he was really good at that so him and then the people that were had the same job as me they helped and then it just kept going out to where eventually I was included in the group thanks to those who were doing the inclusion so the last group that we're going to look at though is a little bit different 
because they don't necessarily have the same ideals. But in order to look at this group, we're going to have to go back in the scripture. What's really cool is that when we look at things, sometimes it helps to look at the before passage and the after passage. And for this one, it really helps to look at the passage right in front. So it's Luke 18. We're going to read chapter, or sorry, verses 35 through 43. It says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front of him yelled. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want for me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. So the last group we'll look at is the excluders, and that's the crowd. We see in the previous chapter, the crowd doesn't just try to exclude Zacchaeus. They try to exclude everybody. The blind man, they, the crowd has been following Jesus for a while. They know who Jesus is. They know that he has healed people. But this guy is sitting off to the side. He's calling out to Jesus, and they try to silence him. Like, shut up. Don't bother him. He's walking. Can you imagine being in that situation? Being so desperate to be part of the group, or so desperate to hear from somebody, and then everybody's like, shut up, go away, we don't need you. Except he can't go away because he's blind. And then when they get to Jericho, and, and God says, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I must go to your house. They're like, really? This guy? The sinner? The one who's, like, cheated us multiple times? And here's the thing with the, with the outsider Zacchaeus. It wasn't like he didn't deserve to be the outsider. You don't say, hey, if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay him back four times if you haven't cheated anybody. He had done things to be the outsider, but then they continually pushed him away. And then after he said that, we don't know exactly what happened, but given the crowd's reputation, I don't think that they were like, yeah, this is awesome. And then we see another difference. In this story, after Jesus heals the man, they all praise God. They're like, yes, this is awesome, after they had told him, you know, go away. But then in the first set, Jesus says, hey, I want to go to your house. And they're like, no, that's, that's not cool. So the crowd doesn't care. The excluders don't care who it is. They don't want that person to be a part of the group. So I remember finally being a part of the group, finally being a part of the battery, and 
being a part of the inside jokes. And we went on, like, there was one time we went on a run, and First Sergeant went and, like, banged on the guard shack because he knew they were all asleep because everybody fell asleep at the guard shack. It was kind of sad. And he went over and banged on it real loud, and they all, like, jumped, and I think he yelled at him. I don't remember exactly what happened after that, but it was funny because then we could make fun of those guys and, ha First Sergeant got you, and we came in later. And you learn little quirks of each individual, and you become part of the group, and the you become the excluder. You might not know it, but slowly but surely, as the group includes you, it is easy to become the excluder. So when we got back, I was a part of the group. And not just a part of the group. Like, I knew people who were influential in the group. And I, I had privileges because of where I was and who, and who I knew. And sometimes I use that to include people. I can think of a couple people that I really said, hey, yeah, let's go. You're, you're a smart guy. I like it. Let's go. But I wonder if there were people that I didn't include that I should have included. Was I an excluder to those who really needed to be included? Honestly, I don't know. And that's one of the most frustrating parts about being an excluder is you don't know after the fact who you've excluded. It takes a constant, like, I am going to include those around me. It has to be a constant thing. So then we look at the groups. So who are you? I'm going to argue that you're all three. But at different times, of course. Like you're not, well, I guess you could be all three at the same time. Might be a little weird. But there are times where you're going to be the outsider. You're going to be the one who isn't in the group. And it's not going to be fun. I don't think we should try to be the outsider, but there's going to be times where that's where we exist. I'm going to skip the middle one and go to the excluders. Sometimes you're such a part of the group that you fail to see those on the outside. Or when someone tries to get in the group, you try to silence them. That's hard to hear, maybe, but it's the case. And then finally, of course, we have the includer, and that's who we should strive to be. We should strive to be the one who includes those on the outside. We should strive to be the, the one who is like Jesus. Sometimes we're not good at it. I wish we were. I wish that's who we were all the time. But I'll take the argument a step further, not just say those are the three, but I'll also say that most of the time, we are the excluders. Most of the time, we're the ones in the group who don't see those on the outside. There's a reason it's the crowd. And it's not just this story. We'll look at a couple more in, in the coming weeks, and we'll see the crowd was consistently the one excluding people, pushing people away. The ones on the inside 
don't necessarily want the ones on the outside to come in. But our job as followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, is to become more like Jesus, and that means becoming more of an includer. Nathan, if you'll come. So that's, that's the challenge today. Will you be a, an includer? Will you look at the times where you are part of the group and say, you know what? That person's not part of the group. I'm going to help them out. I'm not just going to close this circle tighter. Because that's what we do. We form tribes, we form groups, and then we try to keep other people out. It's just human nature. But one of the things that Jesus calls us to do is to lay down our lives, lay down who we are, and take on his righteousness, and become more like him, and become more of an includer. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you included me. God, in those times where I didn't deserve to be a part of the group, you sought me out. And you called me to greater things. And you brought me into your family. God, I pray that we would seek to become more like you. And that in those instances, when we see somebody afar off, God, that we will include them. That our lives will be so focused on you and your spirit that that person on the outside is who we grab. God, I thank you so much for beaming with us here today. And I pray that as we go through the week, our eyes will be on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church podcast. We want to be able to walk with you and beside you as you go throughout life. So if you ever have a need for prayer, we want to be able to pray with you. Please email us at motioncityprayer at gmail.com. We would also love to have you join us in person next week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.